time for breakfast. Trauma for Breakfast is a crowded table of wounded children, parents, spouses, caregivers, and weary souls. Together, we join in honest conversations about the behaviors and challenges of parenting and working with children who've experienced trauma. There's always room for one more at the table to share in the stories, science, and healing as we learn to better understand and care for each other. We are a table without shame or judgment because life can be hard and lonely, and we all know that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I'm Stacy. I'm a mother of seven children and have fostered for over 13 years. As an RN and former public school teacher, I quickly realized this type of parenting was not taught in a textbook or class. Let's learn together to parent different, not harder. Welcome to Trauma for Breakfast. Welcome back to Trauma for Breakfast, where we are picking up from our last show with Jeff Noble about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And he is going to start out by sharing a story with us. So one of the earliest conferences uh, I went to early in my career, it's called the, the Great Moon Gathering. I went up to James Bay, Hudson Bay. The only way you can get in there is if you fly or ice roads, like ice road trucking is real, right? So what they do is from all the indigenous schools, they have a conference. And my job was to talk about FASD. And I did four or five of them. I had 90 minutes to talk in because they just next group, next group, next group. So I am talking and I'm talking about all the stuff, right? It's brain, it's not behavior, it's, it's functioning, it's not willful, all, all the stuff that you know we're talking about here today. And there is this older teacher in the back and I'll explain it for the audience, but he's got his arms crossed and he is giving me these looks. He is rolling his eyes and he's going and he's looking at people. I could tell. And then finally he put his hand up and he says, excuse me, young man, but I think you're full of crap. And I said, okay, well, not everybody can stand on the same side of the earth or will tip, but like, so how come he said, because if what you're saying is true, I've been a teacher for 35 years, and that would mean I've had hundreds of these kids when they're just lazy. And I said, nope, bingo, right? You probably had hundreds of these kids. I said, no problem, sir. We Again, we, we're not all going to believe the same thing. You know, have a seat. So I finished what I was doing, talking about what I was uh, talking about. And then at the end of my talk, this guy, he starts walking up to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this guy going to give it to me again? Right? Like, what, what's going to happen? I don't want to be berated. I was also like shook a little bit, you know, when someone challenges you like that, especially earlier on in my career. And he actually was a little bit misty eyed. He was a little misty eyed and he came up to me and he put his hand out and he said, I just want to say, I am so sorry. I am so sorry because as you were talking and as I was realizing that this was actually the case, it was like a kick in the gut. And all of these situations and these students that I had that I treated poorly because I believed it was willful and purposeful as I am full of shame. And I just reacted and had this visceral reaction. And I apologize. Not only did he stay for that one, but he ended up staying for the next one as well. We became buddies. I ended up going to his school. It was just coincidental. Uh, again, I, I and I filmed him often. I have that video I show in my trainings. But once he got it, once he understood in the video I share, he talks about because uh, he's a shop teacher and he loosened up. And he said he has a kid that uh, loves to run wire. He has a gift. He could be an electrician's helper. So he didn't say an electrician. 
He's an electrician's helper. He has the gift. And then he made uh, the shop and they started making furniture for the other teachers and started making functional things. And he put a keyboard in his classroom and he had a different section. He said, if the noise is too loud or if they're not feeling it, they can go in here and they could, you know, they, they could relax. I'm not going to put any pressure on them because there's, they're already dealing with so much. And he started to enjoy teaching again. And there's so many stories like that. And when we start to know that this isn't on purpose and that there's beautiful kids and they have amazing strengths and they're funny and they're caring and they, they do anything for you. They do have areas and we just need to normalize interdependence, normalizing that it's okay to get help with areas that you're not good at. Truth is, we all do it as we get older. You do it, Stacy. You become more dependent on others. I become more dependent on others. We need to normalize that because this, this talk of independence, you have to, in order to be a successful adult, you have to do it all on your own is BS. But if that's the narrative that we're telling our kids and they want to be normal, that's why when our kids get older and then we start to realize what's going on, then we ask to give help and they put the kibosh on help is because they believe it is normal and that unless they do it on their own, then they can't do it at all. If we change the narrative that it's okay to ask for help and that help, they get help from areas that you're not good at, but then you could just spend all that time working on the stuff you're good at. That's how we're going to get to these kids because their strengths are unbelievable. And what they, what they do to get through a single day dealing with the deficits that they're dealing with, these kids should be put on uh, a pedestal, not ostracized and stigmatized and suspended and expelled. And don't even get me on suspensions, but you get me fired up. You get me fired up, Stacey. I'm excited about what you said about interdependence because I mean, people will, there's times where people are like, your kids are probably going to live with you the rest of their lives. And I'm like, well, what? why is that a measure of success? Like a measure of a success is my child leaves my home at 18, goes to college. Because that was the narrative, Stacey. That was the narrative. This graduate high school, go to university or college, get a job. What the kids do, parents feel is the reflection on their ability to parent. Wait, well, what, okay. What a parent, people ask you, how are you? How are your kids doing? Yep. Right. And then so that's what they're doing, you know, what are your children? Right. Doing? And so it's a status thing. So if things are, and they're not doing that, well, listen, man, it, this is not about having your kids graduate school. That's a blip in their life. It's about getting them ready for life, creating good human beings, because that will go a long, a long, long way uh, in ensuring that their long-term success. And do individuals on the spectrum live on their own interdependently? Yes, there's all kinds of cases. I, you know, I know folks on the spectrum who are professionals. I have folks on the spectrum through this job that are my friends. Like I, I consider their friends and sometimes I forget. And it isn't until I realize, you know, that I've done something that I'm like, oh, right, right. I settle back down and accommodate. So, and it's really hard because they, kids and individuals, because adults do do well when they're supported. The problem is, is we sometimes will support them and then we go back to the independence thing and then they're doing well and we take all the supports away and then we wonder why it falls like a house of cards. They like, I'll just read you the quick definition from uh, of FASD from the Canadian FASD Research Network, who I partner with often. I love them. They're amazing. Their definition is uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is a lifelong disability that affects the brain and body of people who are exposed to alcohol in the womb. Each person with FASD is both strengths and challenges and will need special supports to help them succeed with many different parts of their daily lives. 
and no two individuals the same. One kid will need something different and the other individual will need something different. And that changes as they grow, as their needs differ. They'll always need some, some sort of support, which we need to normalize and, and that's okay. And we talk about that. I mean, it's a spectrum disorder and that's, that's the definition of spectrum is you meet one child with FASD or one adult with FASD and you meet one adult or child with FASD. Yep. They're humans, man. You, you have to find out who the human is first and then how the disability affects them secondly, because you know, this uh, one trainer Burns is her last name, but she says like, I hate math. I'm not good at math. I don't like math. Right. So why? Like, that's just that's her. There's certain things that she enjoys doing, certain things that she doesn't enjoy. She doesn't have as far as she says she can tell she doesn't have the disability. There are things that your individual on the spectrum like and don't like, regardless of the disability it has nothing to do with uh, capabilities. So I learned this from a, a woman by the name of Tracy Masterangelo, who works in Alberta, Canada with schools. And she told me something on my podcast that stuck with me is that you have to look at strengths and weaknesses differently. Strengths, you don't necessarily have to be good at, but they strengthen you. And weaknesses aren't necessarily something you're not good at, but it's something that weakens you. Like I'm okay at accounting, but it weakens me. I hate it, but I'm still capable of it, right? I, I like video games. It strengthens me, it fills my cup, but I'm, I'm not very good at it, right? So we have to adapt strengthen weaknesses in that way to yourself and to your loved ones just because they might not be good at something doesn't mean that they don't enjoy doing that so that that is something that strengthens them and then you can look at building on those strengths to increase capacity as they get older so i want to take you back jeff to the boy that was living in your home give me the caregiver tips that or ways that you changed that helped you not worry about when his feet hit the floor in the morning and dropped your gut to your toes. Yes. So my expectations changed of him and what I believe that he was supposed to be doing at his age and stage of life. They changed to be more developmentally appropriate. Uh, when he started to get upset, I didn't get angry. I got empathetic. I started to empathize up. You know, I have a shirt and a saying, I don't hate, accommodate. I wasn't enabling him. I was accommodating him. I stopped taking things away from him. So for example, what he liked to do, we still did it no matter what type of day we were having. He loved bowling. So even if he was a jerk, we still went bowling because it gave us a chance to reset. They get so many things taken away. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't work for our guys. I started to work on not so much what he know he knew, but uh, how he felt. I started to work on his competence, uh, his self-esteem. One thing I was taught is that competence equals compliance. They're more apt to try different things that may scare them or they're unsure about because they have something that they know they're good at and they, they feel competent. I started to listen more take him seriously with what he had to say and not just brush him off. I started to just enjoy him more and realize that his need for routine and structure while still allowing him to grow. I picked my battles and I picked less and less and less battles because I, we gave him just enough structure so he could be successful. The day could change. He was fluid. I was fluid. 
Uh, I made sure mental health was a priority. It wasn't, I didn't worry about what did this look like? You know, why wasn't he doing X, Y, and Z? It was about finding ways to make him feel good about himself so that we could come up with accommodations and normalize interdependence so that as he moved on, he was okay with getting help from other people in areas that he wasn't good at and thriving in areas that he was. And he has two kids and he's with the same girl and I see him as much as I can. And he's hilarious. He's hilarious. He's a good kid. That's what will happen when they're surrounded by support. uh, They will, they'll do well because they want to. One of the, the game changers for me and you touched on a little bit, but like we, we know that, that kids have three, we have three ages, right? We have a chronological age, we have a emotional age and we have a developmental age. We are taught. And especially as a former teacher, I was taught to um, teach to the chronological and the developmental age. And what has been a game changer for me in parenting my kids. And also when I work with teachers, we talk a lot about parenting or teaching to the emotional age, because that's where the kid is at. And so there are times that my child is 13 is acting like a five-year-old and I need to parent the five-year-old in that moment. And when my child is acting like a 13-year-old and I'm parenting the 13-year-old because my kids are all over the map in a lot of ways. And that's been a way for me to change my expectations, but also to meet them where they are at instead of trying to parent them at what I believe the chronological age should be for them. Well, still honoring their disability, because if you're meeting them where they're at, so if they're 13 and they're emotionally five when they're overstimulated, doesn't mean you start talking to them like a five-year-old, right? So it is, it's just knowing like how to approach it and what your expectations are of them. And and you have to help them regulate. And that's for all of their deficits. That's just the the gap. We have to build skills. We have to help them build skills with self-regulation, with social skills, with uh, social functioning, all of those things that, you know, the abstract concepts, time, money. One of my Teacher said, if you can help them manage their time and their money, 75% of their problems will go away. Absolutely. Helping them manage those things, but not the expectation that they are. With, with brain differences, I don't know that my kids will ever grasp that depth of concept. No, no. That's what I'm saying. Like as caregivers, as service providers, help them manage their time and their money. 75% of their problems will go away. Gotcha. I thought you meant, and I'm like, okay. (laughs) No, 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 no. Because time and money are abstract concepts, right? You know? And so they struggle with money. But again, back to the independence thing, Stacey, we, we think like once you get to a certain age, you should be able to manage a budget, right? And, and it's, and money's really hard for them, but that's what I'm saying. And, and same with time. Oftentimes our guys don't know what to do next. If you hear your kids say I'm bored, that means I don't know what to do next, right? That's sequential thinking. That's a deficit in executive functioning. So sometimes thinking is the disability. And so by helping them manage their time, they're less anxious because they know what to expect. They know what's coming next. And if you help them with uh, manage their money. If you help them, uh, that means in the long run, there's going to be a roof over their head, food in the table, and we could avoid the massive amounts of homelessness that comes with this, right? Like we have to think of the end game too. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, you have been absolutely amazing. And I want you to get to put a plug in for your podcast and also some of the curriculum and the work that you're doing, because I know a lot of our listeners are going to be interested in more information and more tips from you. 
Oh, yeah, I'm a shameless self-promoter, so no problem about that. So, yeah, we have a, a podcast. We're uh, approaching our 100th episode. It's uh, called the FASD Success Show. So you can either go to FASDsuccess.com slash podcast or just Google that baby and you can get it wherever your podcast provider is. We also have a free closed Facebook group. So if you want to know more, we have over 4,000 caregivers from all over the world. If you, you want to ask some questions, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash FASD forever. And we have a, an amazing group of moderators there. And we try and keep it as, as safe as humanly possible. We've got lots of you know rules and structures to make sure that's that's the case. So you feel safe and uh, it's incredible what happens because isolation is the enemy, right? So once you see that other people are going through the similar issues, because parents are the majority here, FASD is again, two and a half times more prevalent than autism, right? So you are the majority. And then once a year, uh, we only do it once a year. We do have a six month, uh, coaching program that we do, but if they were to listen to the podcast and, or join our Facebook group, uh, we promote that pretty heavy, uh, before we enroll and that's six months. And I just basically, I it's group coaching plus curriculum. It, it really like the transformation in parents is what, why I do what I do. Uh, we just give them access to the best experts curriculum by me, like teaching them step-by-step. Step. I have other coaches, uh, other amazing coaches as well. I have an awesome team. I couldn't do this without being interdependent myself. Well, we just so everyone knows, I actually heard about Jeff through one of the families that he has coached and they have followed him for over 10 years and, and talked a lot about how he's been transformational for them and their family. Yeah. Can I give a shout out to Paula? Absolutely. Ah, Paula, thanks for hooking this up, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, yes. And, and you're one of the family, like when you, uh, like we had 130 families register last year, but you quickly become, it's a community, right? So Paula, way to go, buddy. You're doing great. Lastly, I love to ask all of my guests this. What are you currently reading or what book has impacted you recently? Okay. And if you say a comic book, it's okay. No, oh my gosh. Like, well, I'm a, I'm a huge video game fan, right? So I, I do a lot of that, to be honest. But the book I'm reading uh, right now is actually a magazine. I love those time. Uh, is it time? The Science of Stress right? The science of addiction. Do you know you get those ones? Those I know I'm a little bit of a nerd like that. I also have uh, one from one of our keynote speakers at our event from Patricia Morgan. It's about resilience, uh, about resiliency, and it's called Stop the Nagging. Uh, but yeah, just I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old little girl, two dogs, uh, a typical Canadian to play hockey, you know, in a men's league. And we're just trying to get through this pandemic thing. So hopefully I could get back on the road again soon because I miss live audiences. I'll tell you that. Well, we have appreciated you today and I resonate. I am just finished the book Dune. <laughs> now you got to watch the movie. I did watch the movie. So what was better? Oh, the book. Honestly, and I had read this, you need to get past like the first 150 pages in the book because it was incredibly confusing. And I read all the time and I'm like, this is all over the map. I am trying to understand. But then it's like you hit page 150 and you, you start getting into the language and everything. And it was excellent. And I felt like the movie, they did an amazing job, but I never feel like the movie is as good as the book. Yeah, you, so you could be more descriptive right in a, in a book well, yeah that's cool i'm glad you did that yeah th again thanks for having me on I, I really appreciate it it was a good time we're so thankful that you all shared in today's conversation 
we are always here and ready to set one more place at the table. Thanks for joining us on Trauma for Breakfast. Trauma for Breakfast is brought to you and supported by Matt Force, working together to reduce substance abuse, and Yavapai County Community Health Services, working toward healthier communities.